Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS On Air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer. I'm Ron Aaron. Delighted to have you with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air, brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is here. She is a nationally known gerontologist, chairman of the board of the National Council on Aging, and executive director for the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Good to see you. Thank you. But today, I'm a tech guru. You are. There are people that would think that was really funny. And I'm going to ask you about that. But first, I want to tell folks coming up in just a little bit, Barrett Mason is going to join us, a former news person here in San Antonio, worked for a major radio station and has been caring for her mom prior to that, her mom and dad. Powerful story to talk about. You know, we we have a variety of people um, come on the program, book authors and researchers and physicians, and every once in a while we have... Uh, you know, a family caregiver, just like those of everybody listening out in the in the audience, and it it brings us back to reality. Uh, you know, this is what it's like to be a caregiver. So we're so pleased that uh, family caregivers are willing to come in and share their story because it's important. All the caregivers out there, you are not alone. But first, but first, I was at a wedding uh, a couple of weekends ago. And uh, a woman there said, oh, look at my new watch. She had one of those Apple watches. Well, all of us who don't have Apple watches that are would be really curious. <laughs> that would be me. Are really curious about them because I've never even seen one. Well, she had it, and but she didn't really know what to do with it. She said, oh, let me show you this. Uh, well, I don't quite know how to do that. Let me show you how it does this. I don't know how to do that. that right. Yeah, that's probably what I would do because I do that with my Apple computer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do anything. So I found this article, um, Terry O'Reilly. Uh, this was on the Next uh, Next Generation website. And did I say yeah, I'm trying to think. Did I say the website right? Um, and he he said he is an early adopter for um, he or she. I apologize. I don't know which Terry is. I or why? Why? Uh, probably a guy. A guy. But that's why I'm saying he, but I'm not sure. Uh, is an early adopter of technology. So those are the people who have to have the latest gadget. Um, he did say he didn't buy a Segway when that was first introduced, but... You know, Apple, there was so much hype, so he just had to have one. And then he gave it a 21-day test, which is use it for 21 days, then put it in a drawer for a week. And if you don't miss it or don't feel like you still need it, can't live without it, then you should take it back, which I thought actually was kind of good advice. I may have to implement that. that so as long as you get it back within the 30 days, you know, that's allowed. That's a really Good piece of advice. I, I know, you know, because then if you're like, oh, I wish I still had it, I wish I still have it, so you don't let yourself use it right. while it's in the, like, it pretend it's return stage. These are psychological games we have to play sure. with ourselves at times. So so for those of us who don't know anything about the Apple Watch, um, what he said after the 21 days was he is keeping it. But, oh. But, you know, he did say there are some problems, like the battery life isn't great. Um, the icons are kind of big, and if you're like, I don't know if I have big fingers or not, but I do have trouble texting sometime on my iPhone because I'm always hitting the wrong letter for some reason. You can increase the font size. 
Yes, and I would not know how to do that, being a tech guru <laughs> that I am. Right. And the sc- it says the screen doesn't always light up. Apparently, it's supposed to like light up when you look at it, but you have to really like, I'm looking at my watch now <laughs> yeah. so that it will light up. Um, and, and then it does light up. But, you know, what he really did like about it is that, okay, get this, it has more computing power than the first iPad, Oh, really? Which I still own my first iPad. And and more powerful than NASA's new Orion spacecraft. Said, no kidding, you could look it up using your Apple Watch. So that's a heck of a big computer in your little watch, which is kind of cool to have that. Okay, now listen to these other reasons why he likes the Apple Watch. It extends the battery life of his Apple iPhone because he's not always looking at his iPhone to look things up because he can look things up on his watch. So if you're somebody who is so tech into technology that you don't have enough battery life in your phone, you need another gadget that can chew up battery life before you use your phone battery life. Or you could buy a Mophie, which extends the uh, battery life on my iPhone. Don't tell him about that. He may not know about that. And then, and the other thing, it seems to be that the iPhone, you know, it gives you little reminders. And the reason he's really keeping it is he's no longer late for meetings. Because not, you know, he's kind of chronically late. But the little iPhone, when you know you've got your meeting plan or your Outlook, is is there? Your the i the iWatch. I'm sorry, the Apple Watch, whatever you call it. Is it an iWatch? I don't. It's an Apple Watch. <laughs> Tech Guru yeah. flubs the name. Could be Apple um, Watch. <laughs> the Apple Watch. You know, it to like taps your wrist. It gives you a, a tactile signal, buzzes your wrist. Something happens that your watch jangles your wrist your and attention. says, yeah, hey, yo, you got a meeting. You know that five-minute reminder? You right. Five minutes or 15 minutes, you got to be in a meeting. And so he's never late. And I thought, wow, except for the computer part, almost uh, and 10 other things could do that. But yes. it's good it's all in one package. And so that's my tech report for the week. That's so you're not buying one? Um, actually, I, I am late to meetings often, but... I'm uh, willing to risk it because I don't need more battery life on my phone. I'm actually doing pretty well managing my battery And they're life. big, and you have small wrists. Well, I like big watches, and they do come in big. cool colors. But, oh. But anyway, that's, so if you don't know anything about the Apple Watch, you may not know much more about it after my full report, but that concludes. Everything. I'd like to put it in a drawer <laughs> and bring it back if you haven't missed it. Yeah, well, I you know That's the biggest advice. thing out of that, absolutely, the tech report. The best thing was try it for twenty one days and then don't use it for six days and see if you still want to return it. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air, brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. And next up on our list of interesting topics, uh, we've interviewed Carol Levine from time to time about this topic, HIPAA. And the misuse of HIPAA, oh, no, you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't come in, et cetera. Well, and I just want to say that Carol Levine is going to be our keynote speaker in November, which is way far away, but it time passes quickly. And, and so for those of you who aren't in San, if you're in San Antonio, mark your calendars uh, and, and we're post on our, look to our website, caregiversos.org, uh, for our November 15th, I believe I'm saying that date right, Caregiver Summit with Carol Levine. And if you're not in San Antonio, you know, you'll be able to hear her on our website after the November event. So, but we do talk about HIPAA a lot, and I've had 
plenty of opportunities to observe HIPAA misapplied. This came out of the New York Times. So this is Paulus Mann, who has actually been a guest on our show that writes the new old age column for the New York Times. And they were giving, she was giving examples of how HIPAA has, is not understood. And so one example was, here's a woman in the hospital. Her husband is a patient in the hospital. He's dying of cancer. She's sitting in the cafeteria at the hospital talking to her best friend about her husband, his condition, and and how difficult things are. And another patient's family member comes over and scolds her for disclosing personal health information about her husband in a public place. So the first thing we want to say about HIPAA is it only covers healthcare entities and their business associates, somebody they have an agreement with to share information. So p- people's family members are, do, are not HIPAA compliant. If you want to go to the cafeteria or anywhere else in town and talk about your husband's condition, sometimes I talk about my family's conditions on air. Right. And not they may HIPAA hate problem. me. They may hate me for it, <laughs> right. but it's not a HIPAA violation. So that, I thought that was a great example. Um, and, and another example was the church announced, a church announced they could no longer post all of the parishioners in the church who were sick. So, you know, usually it used to be people could pray for the people who were not feeling well, make meals, go and visit them. And the church said, no, no, we cannot post that anymore because of HIPAA. All right. Now, when I mentioned healthcare providers and business associates, do you think it included that church? No. No, it did not. Does not. So if you are if you are a church member and you want to continue to share information and let people know, um, you can do that. Uh, the last example that she gave was a nursing home where, uh, I think it was assisted living, where Mrs. Smith didn't come down for breakfast and her neighbor, where is Mrs. Smith? We can't tell you. If something happened to Mrs. Smith, is she in the hospital? We can't tell you because of HIPAA. Well, Mrs. Smith had passed away. And the nursing home was afraid to tell anyone that she had passed oh, away. Wow. So that is not HIPAA when no. someone has passed. That is not a health condition. They have passed away. And it is, you may tell people They're dead. that they have passed. You know, I would assume after you have notified the family members that they have passed. But that is not. I know it's so strange. And these are not real. They they sound kind of funny, but I'm sure in the moment it's maddening. And it's it's very sad that um, we haven't trained well. Apparently, the Congress is right now considering some new training guidelines and other guidelines to clarify some of these HIPAA thoughts that we all think we can't talk about anything. Physicians actually have the ability to disclose information about a patient's condition if they feel it is in the best interest of the patient. Right. Right. So, and most, and HIPAA, the HIPAA people are not going to swoop down from on high and nail them to the wall for in all good faith telling you the son that, you know, your mother's condition has turned critical and she's not going to make it through the night or whatever it is, or that she needs this medication on the bedside table by morning when you take her home. I mean, you're sharing that kind of information. Um, it, it, the physicians can act in the best interest of the patient. And there are no HIPAA police. And the HIPAA, the HIPAA police, you know, if you have wides, if a healthcare provider violates HIPAA widespread for a long period of time, but if a physician believing in his heart, he's acting in the best interest of his patient needs to share some information with the family members so. and if, and he's not been specifically restricted he can do that 
Now, you've got some information on something that is of personal interest to me. September 9th, I'm going in for left knee replacement surgery. I'm bone on bone in my knee. And you've got a few, little bit of time in order to tell us the top 10 things you want to know about knee replacement surgery. Well, this came from grandparents.com, and it was 10 things about joint replacement. So arthritis is the most common cause of joint pain, you know, was number one. And joint replacement surgery is very common, which is good news for you. Um, so more than a million people in the United States have this kind of surgery. They're saying the sooner you do it, the better. Because, you know, if, you, if you're to the point where you're constantly taking um, pain medications and, we, and there's been some reports that say, do you don't want to be taking ibuprofen right. all the time, aspirin right. all the time, all of those, that's bad. If it's changed your lifestyle, if you've given up things, then it's time and the sooner the better. Um, knee replacement pain is worse than hip replacement pain because of the pressure that you put on your knee. But there have been great advances in the last 15 years on pain management. Again, good news for you, uh, because in the past, the knee replacement surgery was pretty painful and sounded pretty scary, uh, and, and they're getting much better about that. If you need any dental work, you need to get that done now, because any infection anywhere, and with dental, somebody who just had oral surgery, there I'm sharing my health information, um, any oral infections, those infections can go to those joints. You don't have blood flow in an artificial joint. The blood sweeps right, away those infections right. so they can come lodged in those artificial joints. So you want to get dental, all your dental stuff Gotta done. Got to stop you right there. First. Last thing, rehab is key to success. Get that rehab. <laughs> Thank now you very I'm much. <laughs> all right, cool. Carol Zernio, I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air, 930 AM, The Answer. Barrett Mason up next, the story of caring for her folks. I'm Ron Aaron, and one of the things I'm most pleased about being a WellMed patient is the way in which I'm treated by all the staff at the clinic I go to. And Dr. Robin Eikhoff, that's not by accident. No, it's not. We really spend a lot of time training our staff and asking them to really connect with the patients and get to know them because we consider them part of our clinic home. And the other thing that's really impressive to me is the amount of time my WellMed physician spends with me, and you do the same thing with your patients. Yeah, I, I really do try to, and, and we do a lot, a lot more time than your typical uh, provider can afford to give, and I think that allows us to get to know the whole patient and not just their diseases. That's cool. Don't have a lot of time to talk about prevention, but you do a lot of that as well. We spend an enormous amount of time on preventative measures. Want information about WellMed? Want to be a WellMed patient? Call 210-614-WELL. 210-614-WELL. Well, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, we have a very special guest Joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air, I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. Barrett Mason, a former radio journalist, worked for one of the big radio stations here in San Antonio doing news, and is well-known across this community. The other side of Barrett that many folks may or may not know, uh, she, of late, is spending a lot of time as a caregiver for her mom. And we really appreciate you coming in. Thank you. How are you doing? 
Oh, well, I, I'm okay. I mean, I, I manage. I was talking to uh, Ken outside, and I That'd said— Ken Slavin was on last week. Exactly. And I was saying, you know, Ken, I've really pared everything down to the essentials, because if you add too much to the pile of the things that you're trying to accomplish, uh, you're really going to be frazzled. So that's one thing I've done is really pared everything down to sort of the bones so I don't get confused and frazzled myself. So tell us how you— uh, became a caregiver for your mom. What are the issues that she faces, and how are you coping with that? Well, um, I think I kind of have to go back to 2011 because my caregiving started then when my father, uh, who passed away in 2013, had his first heart attack. So my father, I think at the time, was maybe 81 or something, and my mother is older than he is. He, she's about, she was 86 at the time. So I had both of them to take care of. Uh, and I had my job, and I was also renovating the house for a future sale because I, as an only child, I had to... To deal with everything. And so my caregiving started at that point. Um, and I didn't have any help. I only had the maid come in once a month. And then I had to start sneaking her in more because my mom would get mad. And she'd say, well, what am I doing if I'm just sitting around and I can't clean the house? So I'd ha that's the only help that I had. And so I would take him to La Fonda and the maid would be sitting down the street parked in the car and she would wait for us to leave and she could go in and clean the house. And then I would sit at La Fonda for a couple of hours, you know, so that she could finish and then leave again. So, so but the point of it is, is that um, it's a progressive journey. And, and I started out with a lot, but I, I kept things as simple as possible. And I had a very helpful boss and he understood the situation. He admired what I was doing. And so I had a lot of leeway at work. If it weren't for that, I would have had to uh, leave the job. I wouldn't be able to manage all of that. So your mother is struggling with? Well, and so my dad passed away a couple of years ago and her decline started. She's 92. So right now she's in the hospital and we've been caring for her at home. I live with her at home. Um, we have a wonderful caregiver from the Caribbean. She's a wonderful woman. She's a vegan and walks. She's very disciplined and very healthy oriented. And so we've been caring for my mom at home. My mom is bedridden. She's incontinent. She can barely feed herself. Um, and, and so, so, you know, it's sort of a, a, a progressive decline is, is progressive. She have dementia as well? Yes. Right. You know, she came home from the rehab and they said she has Alzheimer's. So apparently she has that too, but you know, it's dementia by and large. Well, so. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, she probably had, must've had some cognitive issues before she went into the hospital. Yes, yes, yes. This is all part and parcel. exacerbated by being in the hospital. Yes, it's all part and parcel of the whole thing. Right, right. So, so, so you know... So she's pretty fragile. I mean, 93, she's fragile. Right. pretty fragile. Right, right, which is, right. That in itself it's is a lot. stressful and, in, and can be intimidating. It, it's what if a I hurt her? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And, you know, you read about caregiving um, tips and this and that, and you're supposed to do this and that, and I understand all of that. But, you know, um, a lot of times that's more information than you can take on. Again, as I said, you've got to pare it way, way down. And if you start going out, adding more information to the information that you already have, you know, it can be too much. 
And so uh, you sort of have to pull back. And um, I couldn't I couldn't do it unless I had a private pay caregiver like the woman that I have. I could it would not not have been possible. I don't know what would have happened to us. But again, um, as I say, um, it's a private pay caregiver. So I'm shelling out two thousand dollars a month for my mom to be at home. And that adds up. It's expensive. Of course. Right. And that's not even full time. That's 11 to 6, Monday through Friday, and that's and it's six hours on the weekends, and that's it. Right. So, and we've talked on other shows about the sacrifices that family caregivers make. One is emotionally, one is your time, and then certainly financially because we don't have a system. Um, not that at support, all. That's going to support your 93-year-old mom not at, at all. home, um, where she's probably getting very, very good care with you and the woman from the Caribbean. Right. It wouldn't be possible in a more of a group, you know, facility, skilled nursing. Right. No, no, that's very true. And that's, um, you know, that's really a problem. I mean, I, I don't know how people do it. My mom earns too much for Medicaid. Um, and then if you're going to do nursing homes, you know, that's $200 a day. And not only at a nursing home, you also have to have the sitter at the nursing home with you. When my mom's in the nursing home at rehab, we also have the sitter with her because the nursing home staff is short. It's a slim staff. You know, there's high turnover. Uh, There are a lot of patients per aid. I mean, you have to stay on top of those people to make sure that your parent gets the care that they need. I mean, How, how did you discover that? Going through the experience, my mom's been in and out of rehab, in and out of the hospitals most of this year. And so we were out in Stone Oak, good area, uh, one of the most beautiful nursing homes they have out there now. Um, And and despite its beauty and all the offerings, I mean, the staff problem is still the same. I mean, we had a staff person secretly sort of tell my caregiver, he was like, look, you know, we don't have enough people, the high turnover is high, people don't show up to work, they don't pay well, blah, blah, blah. And people have to understand nursing homes are for-profit businesses. This is something you have to know because this is what it's all about. These are a friend of ours who was a chair of social work at Our Lady of the Lake, who was a a well-established person in San Antonio. She told me, she was an old friend of my parents, she said, Pixie, you know, these are for-profit businesses and you got to know that they are bought and sold on Wall Street. So you don't go in there with any sort of rosy, you know, glasses on because, um, you know, you got to know what you're getting into. And it's very true. Well, and there are there are both for profit and not for profit nursing homes. True, um, but it depends on where you live, where you know you need the care. Um, it's still going to cost you money, but it's, it's still going to cost you a lot of money, and Absolutely. it's going to cost you more because you're going to need your own sitter to keep an eye on things. And and my uh, caregiver has actually been working in Manhattan all of her life, and had been around in the East Coast for a long time. Uh, she's seen it all. So when she told me, you know, and Pixie is what my friends and family call me, when she told me that, I mean, I believe her because she knows, and 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 you, and that's an added expense. How did you find her? Well, we had a lady, the one who would park down the street and come in and secretly clean, clean my parents' house. <laughs> and did you ever get caught with that? I mean, did yeah. you ever well, some, the No, I, we would come home. I would be like another glass of wine, you know, waiting for her to, you know, waiting for my baby to draw never, it out as long as possible. And then, but no, we, we wouldn't get caught. No, but you, she never knows. She never walked in the house and go, well, my, this is No, they wouldn't notice. They wouldn't notice, you know. It was after a margarita and stuff, you know, they wouldn't notice. She got them schnockered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. It's one way to get the house clean. Yeah, you have to do stuff like that. You know, if you're 
at the garage cleaning and stuff, they're like, you know, pulling back everything you put in the trash can because, you know, you can't let go of anything. I mean, these are just, you know, that's just, you know, minutia, but that's part of the caregiving picture and the parental duties and, you know, the parental estate taking care of and all of these things. So they had a predilection to move toward hoarding, but you prevented Well, not hoarding, but, you know, <laughs> but, why. yeah, no. I mean, Ron, when you're 85, you're going to start doing the same thing. You're going to be like, you, you can't col- throw that away. You can't throw that away. You can't throw that away. I'm already there. I was going to say, have you started collecting tin foil and bread wrappers? That's all yes, I want to right, know. Yes, right, right, right. <laughs> because you never I, know. They, I have the oh, right they to can remain, be used again. I have the right to remain silent. <laughs> exactly, like a thousand that. Dan and yogurt thingies, you know, just in case. <laughs> just so, in case. Yeah. Uh, Seriously. Yeah. So, so, well, no, not seriously. They weren't hoarders. I mean, we kept everything nice. But a few extra, you but never that's, know. But that, that's, a, that's a thing, you know. So, so the woman that was sneaking into the house the and maid, secretly yeah. cleaning yeah. knew someone who she thought Yes, might and she had brought her with us, and B was doing a great job, and B just happened to do elder care. And so, and she just, uh, my mom is Norwegian, she's very tough, and she's very straightforward, and B is the same way, and they just get along beautifully. So that's really important, because I've seen how my mom interacts with other people, and I'm so grateful that I have be because they have great chemistry it's just great and that's important so important yeah because you want somebody who's good care but also a good fit yes very important someone you can trust someone who does the job you know and it's difficult and these jobs aren't well paid no that and that is true too and so you get what you pay for at the end of every day uh, do you say to yourself what am i doing here no, I don't. No, because a friend pointed out to me, he said, when your mom finally passes away, you know, the victory of taking care of her is going to be yours. You're well, going to have done the job completely, resolutely, all the way to the end in the perfect right way. And well, you'll never have that regret. The, you had something interesting in some of the information prior to the show. You were talking about how AARP right now is running ads mm-hmm. about caregiving. Right. Saying that the caregivers are overlooked. They're right. underappreciated. Yes. So, but you're happy. Isolated. But that doesn't matter because you were saying, okay. Well, I mean, it it, it matters. It matters. But I mean, you know, for every goal, um, for every, you know, thing that you've got to do, the goal and the achievement, that's going to be the goal and the achievement is that I took full good care of my mom. But yes, I mean, isolation, you know, you drink too much because you're sitting around watching TV endlessly, endlessly. Or trying to get the maid to clean the house. You have to keep drinking. And then, you know, and you gain weight because you're sitting and and you're watching TV and then you start to drink wine and then you drink more wine and you start eating bread and cheese. I mean, you can gain a lot of weight, which I have doing this. Stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back to this. We got to get an update on news Mm -hmm. and we will do that right here on Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron along with Carol Zernio and our very special guest is Barrett Mason who is sharing with us her hands-on experience caring for her mom. Well, the experiences that we're hearing from individuals who have become caregivers and have continued to provide that care for moms and dads and others is going to be replicated in even greater numbers across this country as Americans age. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernio. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air right here on 930 AM. The Answer program brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And if you want to email us with comments or suggestions for topics, you email radio at wellmed.net. Carol, uh, the need for caregivers is only going to grow exponentially. Well, we, we're already short 
paid caregivers. So, you know, anyone who has found a satisfactory person to come into their home is, is really lucky because there are a lot of people who are dealing with unsatisfactory people or nobody uh, because there's just simply not enough already. Uh, and and that our theme has been, you know, 10,000 people a day turning 65, This the boomer generation. And, and, and our generation, because I'm a boomer, um, you know, we haven't taken as good a care of ourselves going into old age. And so, you know, here we're taking care of our parents and, you know, we don't t- if we don't take care of ourselves, you know, it's 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 a tough situation. We simply don't have enough paid caregivers. And you you know, listening to your story, to Barrett Mason's story, yeah, to Barrett, and and talking about, you know, I can hear um, the sacrifices that you've made. You know, if you were going to be painting your life story, you certainly wouldn't say, okay, and I'm going to carve out these years. Respecting mm-hmm. and loving and caring for your mom is wonderful, and and mm-hmm. you're always going to feel good about that, right? But that wasn't the, probably the script that you would have written for yourself. I mean, not necessarily. I, I, you know, I mean, I'm an only child, so I probably anticipated it to some degree. But I mean, I, I, I just worry. I don't think that the country, the country has so many problems, and um, you know, student loan debt being a debacle that's about to, you know, blow up. But I think that um, I hate to add to the nation's burden, but they better start talking about this problem because it's a serious one. The caregiver and, problem. And, Yes, and and the caregiver problem, and, and problem, and and also, what does one do? Right. Well, the unaffordability of it, because as you mentioned, you either have to be Medicaid eligible, living in poverty, in yes. which case, you and are, no one wants to do that. No one's striving for that. Right. To to say, okay, now I've saved all my life, and now I'm going to unspend everything and give it all up for long-term care. I mean, it's just dumb. Right. Or, or, dumb. or, you know, or you have to do private pay and there's just nothing in between for those of us who are regular and people. I think that's I, I think that's crazy I mean I, I think that's crazy I think it's dangerous I mean as you talked about I mean that's of course I thought about that as well as the number of people aging in the country and no one's talking about it there isn't any preparation for it I mean everybody says oh we'll just put her in a nursing home yeah but who's going to pay for it I mean I mean that's nothing that's something never discussed and that's critical things that was a critical thing to talk about because you're talking about a lot of money you're not talking about you know just paying for the car to be repaired and, and it's and taking care of children um, you know is one thing you know children are full of joy um, you know they're small you know you can change them easily I got three of those yes and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know it's tough at times but it's a lot harder to take care of an adult you're talking about a large person uh, you're talking about sadness you're talking about you know sort of the, the decline of the functioning and that is, is, is very different and it's a lot harder um, so, you know, it's it's a tough one. I you had to acquire tough. skills and training that you, I'm assuming, hadn't had. You've become, in many ways, a visiting nurse in your own home. Right, and a case manager. Because you've got to call these home health care agencies, you know, um, you know, get this, cancel that, do this. Why? How come you didn't call? I mean, what's going on? Where's the physical? You know, you've got to manage all of that. It's a job in of itself. I mean, I'm not working right now, and, and I'm glad that I'm not, because, I mean, my hands are full. I mean, there is no question about how I spend my day. I've got a lot to do, not just caring for my mom, but also you have to manage your parents' estate. They leave everything behind to you. You've got to clear all of that out. You know, you've got a, you've just got a lot of stuff to do. There's always something to do. Well, and I think that your situation is is 
very difficult because you are living with your mom. Right. We have had caregivers on the show that, you know, maybe live around the corner or live across town yeah. or live someplace completely different. But that's... You know, you feel that twenty four seven. You don't right. get away. You don't, you don't, no. If you're not working and you're living with your mom, yeah. then that that it becomes your reality. That's which right. Is very difficult. And that's how I wake up in the morning. I mean, she's um, my aunt died some years ago, and she's crying out for her sister. I mean, that's how I wake up in the morning. You know, Mari, Mari, you know, this is how I wake up in the morning. And then right away I have to start, uh, you know, making her thickened coffee because she has dysphagia, so it has to be honey thick. I have dysphagia to make, meaning she can't swallow exactly. easily. Exactly. And then I have to sit her up. Um, she has to be, you know, given her a certain set of pills, you know, fluids. Um, then the caregiver comes in and does the changing and the washing and the showering and the teeth and all of these things. Does she know who you are? Yes, she does. Yes, she does. And uh, we have to make pureed food, and we've got to sit her up in the wheelchair and take her to the dining table and feed her, make sure she eats. She only wants to be in bed. We did take her for a quick tour out to Central Market. She just wanted to go home, but maybe that's uh, because she hasn't been feeling well and thus she's in the hospital. So, um, And then the caregiver leaves around 6, uh, and then you know we sit and watch TV. I give her her evening pills, give her some uh, pudding or something like that, watch TV and go to bed. And, and so that's pretty much my day. Every day. Yes. That's your day. Every Every day. day. Right. And on the weekends, it's worse because I have less help. And, and so then you don't I, have that I break in the daytime. Yeah, I I joined the Alma Heights pool, so I swim every day at the pool. That's sort of my That's vacation good. respite. Yeah. Well, that was so. That was going to be my question. What do you do to keep yourself sane? That's it. To, to keep I, going. I take so care swimming. of the bills. I take care of the accounts. I take care. You know, manage all of the people coming in and out. Um, you know, we moved as I said from Independence Hill down to Alma Heights because it was less expensive, and um, but I had to wait Independence for this. Hill being a. Yeah, but I had to wait for this perfect apartment to come up because it had to be first floor it had to have a wheelchair shower it has to have the bars it has to all of these things it has to be safe it has to be blah 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 so if if somebody you know if you were meeting you if you were talking to a new caregiver someone mm-hmm. who was just getting into this with all the experience that you've had mm-hmm. what would you tell somebody i heard you say keep you know pare it yeah. down to the bone yeah keep it as simple um anything else any other advice that you would give to somebody else? Uh, I would say watch out for the emotional pitfalls. Ken and I were talking. Sometimes you can That's get... That's Ken Slater. Yes, I'm sorry. Last week. Right. Okay. I've known Ken for a long time, and I know he's, uh, his mother's much younger, but um, he's caregiving for her. And... Um, you know, you've got to watch the emotions, how high they can rise, because you're inside, you're isolated, you get resentful, mad as hell, and and you don't want to say anything that you're going to regret, and you do end up doing that, because it's so difficult. Um, so I would warn them about those things, and have to look at the bigger picture, and to be glad that you have this time together, and to cherish it, to talk as much as you can about everything. You don't know. My dad died. I left him uh, at Methodist. And I thought, okay, Daddy, I'll see you tomorrow. That but, was it. But he was dead. He died. So how do you cope with the emotional side for yourself? Have you gotten help? I, I, no, I, not really. I, I, I think I do well. Uh, and I think that I, I'm, I'm smart. I, I know what's going on. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm savvy. I'm able to protect myself uh, from anything that may – I'm able to protect myself very well. We have good friends. I have family in Norway. They're very concerned about my mom. But they can't pop in. 
No, but they're but the fact that they're concerned and they're there. They write. We write emails. Her uh, niece is uh, always, you know, wants to know what's going on. Yeah. So we have very close relationship. They may be thousands of miles away, but we're very close. And, um, you know, you just have to get by day by day by day. Everything just execute. I just execute. Everything is clean, done, done. Now, when you say you've pared down to the the bare bones, what, what have you done? Well, I mean, I don't have a social life at all, but that's okay because, you know, then if certain friends don't call you anymore, that's fine. You know, you just, you know, you, you have other things to do. I mean, you, you don't worry about all these tiny little things because you really don't have time. And I don't have an iPhone anymore. It died in the heat. I got rid of that. And, you know, you don't waste a lot of time on the Internet, which can be a colossal waste of time. So I've been bragging and showing everybody my old flip phone. It's <laughs> 35 a month. And you I just love it. it. Yeah, I just love it because I don't have to worry about well, there Facebook you go. There's and all it. the, There's uh, the budget booster yeah exactly exactly so you know i just keep everything down to the essentials and and i think it just makes things easier so do you do you picture yourself what you'll do i mean you know if your mother's 92 and we're being realistic this is not a it's not it's not forever it's a difficult time do you think about you know what my what's you're going to do next and think about the future yeah i i do and and because i'm not married um i probably um because and my family is in norway i probably will go to norway and 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 the more i look at what's on the horizon you move to norway yes you speak norwegian yeah, conversationally oh, cool mm-hmm Ooh. We'll come visit you in Norway. We yeah. wanted to go to Norway. I want yeah. to see that. It's a fabulous and country, and and I think that I think that you know the geriatric amongst the geriatric circles, uh, Scandinavian models are you know well respected. Oh, they and are. I, They're actually they lead in the yes. world. The Scandinavian models lead. And, and I don't think it would hurt for Americans to look and glean some lessons if they're serious about this. Um, but I, that's all I'll say on that. But but that's probably what I'll do because, I mean, what would be ahead if you don't have money or very good insurance? I mean, you know, it's a problem, and I've seen it firsthand. Well, I think what you said is very important because the recognition, particularly for, you know, people who you're the only child and you're not married, you know, all of us need a network, whether it's family, mm-hmm. whether it's a network of friends. I think that's why the village movement is becoming so popular right now where people choose, you know, people they know you, let's all buy houses next to mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. and take care of each other mm-hmm. in our old mm-hmm. age and we'll all right. pitch in and hire one person to make sure someone orders Meals on Wheels right. and keeps the place clean. Not a bad idea. We're creating our own little village. I, I think that's a great idea, too. I, I think that, uh, you know, you can stay at home as long as you can. And there's this big movement, stay at home. You need some money to stay at home, too. You know, I mean, that's it correct. costs some money. You've got to have these people. You've got to pay good caregivers to come in. So it's not cheap. But, I mean, they've got to start taking this seriously and, and start supporting it. I mean, the only thing about staying home is the, is the are the medical issues. You know, right. And, and home health doesn't, you know, one well, a nurse visit a week is not sufficient because the thing is, it starts to go down what you get. Meanwhile, the patient is 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 going also down. So right. it, the two don't meet. Right. Yeah. When you got the escalating and, and we'd be the last people to say that, we, you know, everybody should stay at home. There are times there where it is not talking about your mom, but in general, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, there comes a time when people can't stay at home. But it sounds like we, you know, you have done a fantastic job with your mother. You should and be she's really proud. very lucky to have you taking care she of her. Is. And it's she, tough. Yeah.
Thank you. <laughs> well, it's a huge sacrifice you're making. Well, you know, they did it for me. Makes me proud to know you. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. We are flat out of time. You know how that works. Yeah, I know I had a blast. <laughs> I was nervous, but I had a blast. You didn't have Thank to do you. the seven-page dissertation. I so. know. Now I can throw it away and not have to worry That's about perfect. it. Therapeutic. Barrett Pixie Mason. See, I never knew Pixie. I like that. Thank Thanks you. for coming in. Thank you. I'm Ron Aaron with Carol Zerniel. Up next, we're going to be talking to Dr. Jamie Heisman for Take 10, which follows each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs. Right here on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, and one of the things I'm most pleased about being a well-med patient is the way in which I'm treated by all the staff at the clinic I go to. And Dr. Robin Eikoff, that's not by accident. No, it's not. We really spend a lot of time training our staff and asking them to really connect with the patients and get to know them because we consider them part of our clinic home. And the other thing that's really impressive to me is the amount of time my well-med physician spends with me, and you do the same thing with your patients. Yeah, I, I really do try to, and, and we do a lot, a lot more time than your typical uh, provider can afford to give, and I think that allows us to get to know the whole patient and not just their diseases. That's cool. Don't have a lot of time to talk about prevention, but you do a lot of that as well. We spend an enormous amount of time on preventative measures. Want information about WellMed? Want to be a WellMed patient? Call 210-614-WELL. 210-614-WELL. I want one of those Japanese robots you talked about last week on Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. This is Take 10, part of Caregiver SOS on Air. Dr. Jamie Heisman is with us as well. And as we do at the end of each of our programs, we toss out an issue and Carol and Jamie and I bat it about. And you've come up with mindfulness for our issue today for Take 10. And I was thinking about mindfulness uh, by one of our guests that was talking about how he has really had to, you know, recognize that he can't control everything, that every day is a different day, and some days are good days and some days are bad days, and how do I choose to make today the best it can be under what can be very difficult uh, circumstances. And he was a self-described control freak, which made it even tougher. That's right. So you you teach uh, physicians and social workers, other professionals about mindfulness, Jamie. Is that kind of what mindfulness is? Mindfulness is a, a wonderful concept, and, and it is what we think it is. But exactly, it's the awareness of the present. It's being in the moment. It's not having your foot in the anxiety of yesterday or the fears of tomorrow. It's if you call something a little thing, your child, your family, uh, going out to eat for dinner with friends, it's really not so little when we're present. Uh, when it comes to family caregivers, I, I believe uh, there's an incredible statement that was made by a Buddhist uh, monk. Now, you don't have to be Buddhist to love mindfulness because mindfulness is so great it transcends Buddhism. But he said, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And if we're caught in the moment of anxiety or the moment of fear as a family caregiver, that's precisely how we're going to react to the situation. So we live in an American society where we are not mindful as a culture. 
uh, and we complicate that if our, if you put on top of that our cultural you know uh, status quo, add all of the stress and anxiety that comes with caregiving. So does that mean it's twice as difficult for us because we actually have to cut through all of that caregiving pressure and all of that American culture, you know, thinking about tomorrow, thinking about, you know, what's on my phone and what I have to do. Uh, Is it hard for us to do that? It's difficult. And, And here's the gig about mindfulness. It really requires, you know, rehearsals. It requires practice of mindfulness. You know, for our audience, mindfulness is, is really paying attention in the present. It's, it's not being judgmental. It's allowing the unfolding of the experience to happen. Um, and when it, as it pertains to caregivers, um, it's, it's really about, you know, the present moment, not zoning out, not going off and zigging or zagging from the distractions of the future or the, the things that are happening in the past. It, it really is the practice of mindfulness and in Buddhist terms it's called skillful means and you have to understand the beauty of mindfulness is that there's great scientific payback there's been hundreds of studies done about meditation about reflecting in the moment about you know being able to sit back and 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 Take the, and take the zoning out, if you will, and, and bring it in loving the moment. Your brain actually changes. The way you think changes. And, and John Kabat-Zinn, is, I think, is the man to look at from University of Massachusetts. Excuse me. His name is John Kabat-Zinn. It's really his last name is Zinn, or it's John Kabat, and his thinking is Zinn. No, John, John Kabat-Zinn started at the University, University of Massachusetts working with healthcare professionals about 20 years ago. Um, I really would tell your audience to go online and, and look him up, but also the, there's a wonderful 60 Minutes piece that was done by Anderson Cooper about a year ago that's certainly available on YouTube. But John Kabat-Zinn started studying healthcare professionals and medical errors and qualitative issues of, you know, of what we were doing that, that were creating uh, problems in, in practice. And he set up a program at the University of Massachusetts which really swept the country um, and it was about getting physicians to think mindfully. Well, so for those of us who are lay people, would I was thinking about I was thinking about how to be mindful. I was thinking about kind of maintaining a state of curiosity. So to stay in the moment, it's like let's see what happens next. What's you know, it's not it's I'm 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 looking at the way things are now, but I'm curious and open to whatever is going to fill this space that is the next minute as well. Well, actually, the basis of mindfulness also is meditative practice and it's natural for our minds to really wander and through this practice or rehearsals. And there's some great apps out there like headspace.com and and, and mindful moments and things that are guided imagery. But what it allows us to do, Carol, is, is there's an old saying, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. Okay, so that it allows makes sense. this sort of waves to continue to come, but allows us to, to accept those waves on two legs rather than one. Now, if you've but just joined us. It requires a lot of practice, and it does require, you know, so many things to, for us, like five or ten minutes a day, of whether it's guided imagery, whether it's meditation, whether it's walking meditation, whether it's taking a retreat. Um, it's putting this practice in our own personal culture. Now hold that and thought. seeing the rewards of it. Too. For those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to WellMed 
program called Caregiver SOS On Air, brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. <laughs> I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel. Doesn't United Healthcare uh, suggest to managers and others that they be in the present? Am I with you right be, now? Yeah, be here now. Yes, is, is one of the sayings. I love Be Here Now. Be Here Now is a beautiful concept, and Be Here Now is a part of United Health's cultural training. Um, and I think that tells us that we have to take accountability for being here now. We can't certainly rely on a large organization um, to do that. Um, there's a fascinating sort of concept. I think I explained it once to you all in another show that called the, uh, you know, it's called Two Arrows, which is the, the one arrow of pain, and the second arrow is of suffering. What mindfulness does, it allows us not to enter the world of suffering and tell ourselves stories that take us to the anxiety of tomorrow, yesterday. It allows us to experience the pain, allow it to go through us, and don't create the second arrow. And so be here now is, again, the practice of mindfulness, and it's all around us. It's all around us in San Antonio and every part of Texas. You're going to find great ashrams or great meditation retreats or even online sort of intervention. Well, and the great thing about meditation, any of these mindfulness practices, is they have a physiological effect. You were talking about, you know, changing the way your brain works, and it actually is a great boost to your immune system, and it gets all of those terrible uh, chemicals that build up in your body when you're stressed out, that fight or flight uh, that suppresses your immune system. It, It really, it's actually healthy for you. You can touch it and feel it in your, you know, when your health care provider looks at your health care tests. You, you know, it's a beautiful thing that you say, because we are scientists. I know the physicians I have a difficult time with, but I do take them back to the science. But if you could say mindfulness is any one thing, it allows us to take a moment, take a pause, reflect on what's in front of us, become what Dr. Miguel Ruiz says is the, the leopard in the bushes that stalks our own behavior before we react to it and spend all the energy in reaction. We need to be proactive, take a step back, and be mindful. Who is he? Now, Dr. Miguel Ruiz is a wonderful uh, physician, actually, from Mexico, had a near-death experience who wrote the Four Agreements. And truly, truly, I, I really encourage all your listeners to get it because he has fabulous concepts in there. And one of the greatest concepts of mindfulness is not taking things personal, the non-identification with what's happening in the moment. So, and, and that's, you know, not taking things personal. It's what you tell caregivers. Uh, yeah, that, just that whole concept for many caregivers. I mean, if you really want to talk about uh, Having every day, you know, starting over again is entering that day without feeling angry towards the person you're caring for, angry at yourself for what you're doing or not doing, um, and being able to let that go. So, Dr. Jamie, we are flat out of time. You have 20 seconds. If a family caregiver could do that, Carol, if they literally could just step back and see it's not their loved one that they're dealing with so much at that moment, but the disease that loved one has, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or traumatic brain injury or whatever it is, then they can become mindful in the moment and investigate the experience, and you would not have this incredible burnout that we have today. So our assignment is Google mindfulness. Study up on it, and we'll talk about it again. Dr. Jamie, thank you. Appreciate your time. And Carol Zerniel, Take 10, part of our Caregiver SOS on-air program. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to us on 930 AM, The Answer. 
You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. One of the things I'd love to talk about with uh, Dr. Robin Eikoff, I'm Ron Aaron, by the way, is prevention. And it's something that WellMed spends a lot of time on. We do spend a lot of time on prevention because the fact is we know when we spend time on prevention, people live longer, healthier lives. So what do you look for in, in, in terms of preventing disease? Well, as a provider, we're going to spend a lot of time with our patients looking at lab work, doing tests, looking for things early, encouraging preventative exams like an eye exam, uh, mammograms, colonoscopies, all the things that help us prevent severe illness. And it's one of the things that WellMed has always prided itself on. We've always been the forerunner for prevention. And now everybody's jumping on board, and I'm glad to see it. Giving new meaning to patient-centered health care. Yes, it does. Dr. Robin Eikoff, I'm Ron Aaron. By the way, you catch us on WellMed Radio Saturdays at 5 in the afternoon, right here on 930 AM, The Answer.